I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I am not your host, PTF. I just talked to him though. He, uh, what was he saying? Oh, oh I, I was supposed to send these videos and I didn't send them. And then I was like, all right, people. Yeah, well, what happened was he said, no excuse needed. So I felt like I was in trouble for a second. It caught me off guard. But he said, no excuse needed. I won't give one. Um, thank you for joining us. We, we, were, we went to Pegasus. So I don't know if, if we missed the week. I think we might have missed the week. I don't remember. It's all a blur. Uh, the sun. I was out in the sun for way too long, and and that was hard. Oh, I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin. I went straight from Pete into what's going on. I forgot to say who I was. Uh, thanks for joining. Uh, I want to start by thanking our friends at Qatar Racing. Um, I want to thank them a, a couple times, actually. I, I want to thank them for uh, their support last year, and, and I want to thank them for their support moving forward. So we'll, we'll have a, a, another year set. Looking forward to uh, some JK Plus Ones presented by our friends in the Claret and Gold. And uh, so a special thanks to Sheikh Fahad in particular um, and, uh, and, and want to congratulate him on just a touch who he had told me I saw him before the race and he said that uh, this is a good one and he wasn't lying just a touch one at fairgrounds for Brad Cox and then also on the Nile a couple of maiden winners uh, for Qatar racing this weekend so an exciting time for them with uh, with derbies and and three-year-olds and excitement around the corner uh, we'll be rooting for them uh, along the way um look th- this is a fun one uh, this is one that I that I've, I've kind of thought about doing for a while but it, it uh, well not that long but you know it, it, it's it's kind of uh, manifested itself a little bit. I, I always thought about having the Aspieson brothers on with Keith riding and, and Eric always kind of being around the racetrack. And then with Eric deciding to ride, um, having won seven races already this year, I, I thought it was a, it was a perfect time to get them both on and, and uh, to talk a little bit about their lives growing up with the winningest trainer in North America. And now the transition into riding and to um, doing it uh, successfully at that. And so uh, it was a lot of fun to catch up uh, with the boys and and to, to hear about uh, what it's like, uh, you know, going to work with dad when there's Breeders' Cups and grade one races uh, pouring out of their ears. <laughs> and so it was fun to catch up with them. So, uh, look, I'm going to stop chatting. Let's get right into it. Eric and Keith Asmussen. What's up, JK? <laughs> What's up? Man, I, I, uh, I'm just hanging out. I'm up here in the snow. You, you guys are in, um, I don't know how, wh- how's the weather in, in, uh, Houston, Eric? Is it, is it, is it like it's 80 gorgeous. degrees or what? It is, is it? 70. It's supposed to be 70 today. So Keith, I definitely call Keith, make oh, him feel man. bad about it for a while. That's we're good. A, That's good. Beautiful sunny 60 here, which is total change of pace. All right. Well, it's like 40 in Saratoga, but I'm, I'm heading to Austin. So, I, it, you know, in a couple of days, so I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. Um, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I, I, you know, look, I think it's unique. I think you guys have a unique perspective, so it, it's, it should be fun. You know, both of you guys are, are riders, um, but it wasn't it didn't seem as if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't seem as if like that was always the first choice. So like so it's just like, the, like what you guys kind of decided to do kind of after the fact. Um, it's not like, you know, your whole lives you were thinking, this is what I'm going to do. At least that's what I get. But maybe you'll correct me. And then also, you're also the sons of a Hall of Fame trainer who has won every big race possible except for that one, which he will. And um, and, and also the winningest trainer 
in North American history. So you're, you're, you guys are racing through and through Eric. I'll start with you since you're the newest, uh, to get a leg up. Did you always think that you were going to ride races? Did you always think that you would, would, uh, would, would, you so know, it's get a leg funny. up in, in a race? You, uh, you grow up and like for Halloween, you know, you dress up as a jockey and it's always like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, he's the shortest in the family. He's going to be the jockey or whatever. But four years ago, when you're 155 pounds, you kind of rethink about, oh, am I going to be a jockey? Probably not. But I, I love the game. Like, I'm 21. I, don't, I didn't go to college because I love the game of horse racing so much. I knew I wanted to do something within it. And it wasn't until Keith started riding where – I even thought it was a possibility where I could get my weight down to be able to ride. I started galloping racehorses for my dad three years ago, and I started riding breaking babies in Laredo, Texas for my grandpa probably five, six years ago. So, you know, you always rode, and I loved the game. I was, I couldn't be involved enough with the game but the riding i never would have thought was a possibility unless keith did it and then keith did it and then it was like well i can do this you know yeah yeah that's keith how about you was your was your journey i we you know we've talked a little bit about it um when when uh when you had super stock was was running I and mean, i know he'd kind of touch base a little bit but what was your journey? I mean, did you, you were going to uh, the greatest school in the world, uh, the university of Texas. And, and then, you know, around COVID you decided like, Hey, what the heck, let's, let's, let's see what's going on with here. Tell me a little bit about your journey to, to get a leg up. Oh, exactly. And Eric kind of touched on it, you know, started very early, obviously sons of very prominent trainers. So there was a very uh, obvious infatuation to the backside being around horses, just as extensive as our families involved, it was something that just logically made sense. And once you get around it more and more, it was something that was you know, very easy to enjoy, very rewarding. You know, I started hot walking horses when I was like <laughs> 13 or 14 and then started rubbing my own, grooming a couple up Saratoga in Texas. And it was just kind of like the progression into galloping horses. And it's something that is so much fun, so rewarding, and more than anything challenging is being able to ride horses, but it's something that's very beautiful. And so, you know, I always loved galloping horses, working horses, and knew of <laughs> the lore of my family, just being able to be race riders. And it was something I, I really wanted to try. And it wasn't, like you said, until COVID hit, I had gone to university right after high school. And so I never really thought I would, um, you know, be, I guess a cornhole into the racetrack. I always thought I had options, but I, I, I did love being around it. So every vacation or time off I would get, I would, you know, run right back to the racetrack, try to get on horses and stuff like that. But it is a uh, COVID hit. It was the spring of 2020. It was like March. I had a little part-time job in Austin. I was working for a CPA filling out taxes. And, you know, this is the big COVID scare. I put in my, 
talk about like a three day notice. I, I straight up quit and I went to go work for Darren Fleming in Hot Springs here. And, you know, previously I'd only ever galloped for like month and two month stints, maybe like weeks at a time on spring break or Christmas vacation. But once I got that, you know, like March to July, I, I was kind of reducing at the same time. And I, you know, approached my parents. I was like, you know, I, I really think I could do this. And I, I don't care if it's for one race. I, it's just something I want to experience. And they were with me all the way. So you guys aren't the typical height that you would expect from riders. And so with height comes the more of the challenges with, with, uh, with weight and the weight that you need to be to ride. You know, obviously you guys are younger fellas. So it's, it's, I think it's probably, you know, it's, you think about losing 30, 40 pounds as a 41 year old man. I mean, I can't lose five. I mean, I probably could if I stopped drinking IPAs, but I enjoy them too much. So it is what it is. But what what was, you know, Eric, what was your journey like in terms of, of getting used to, you mentioned, you know, four years ago being 155, you know, what was, how did you get to, to riding weight? Uh, just a lot of discipline. It was, uh, I knew how hard it would be to get down to it, but knowing that it was possible and just actively like striving to pursue it. And you just, you slowly just lose more and more weight. And then you kind of just like, you'll go get a body composition and you'll see like the possibilities of it. And me and Keith are very similar frame size and all that. So, so I knew it was possible but extremely hard to do still to lose 35, 40 pounds. And yeah, over a four year period is, is how long it took me. Was it more, was it more diet or more exercise or a pretty heavy, heavy dose of both? Heavy dose of both. Heavy, heavy dose of both. <laughs> Keith, how about you? Uh, yeah, I feel like Eric touched on it. It's kind of, a meticulous attention to detail to the point it's almost an obsession, but it's, it's kind of the, what it requires. It's, it's not something you're not like a part-time jockey and it's, it's, it's not separate. Like the reducing and the race riding, they're together. And so it's, it's easy to respect it when you think about it like that. Do you, do you, do you find, do you guys find, and whoever wants to go first here, do you find that the journey to get from the 155 ish to the playing to the, to the riding weight. Did you find that journey to be more difficult or like where you are now and trying to maintain it and kind of like the, you know, the, the off days and, 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 you know, get ready to ride like, which, which, which is more of a challenge of those two. It's equally as difficult, you know, it's cause it's, it's 24 seven. Like there is no off day, you know, like what I've learned, I've rode 45 races and what I've learned is the weight and the training in the mornings and stuff, that's the job, you know? And that's the most like mentally draining thing is the, uh, the weight and all that, the riding's the fun part about it. You know, like I can't believe that's even like considered a job. <laughs> What, what, uh, 
Keith, if you if you could ride one of your dad's any of the any of the horses that that your dad has ever saddled, and it doesn't have to be a current one; it can be a past one. If you could ride any horse that your dad ever saw, uh, saddled, and, and you know you'll be next, Eric. Who who would you like to get a leg up on? Oh man, what a, what a great question! I uh, funny enough, I, I was watching Rachel Alexandra's races yesterday. Just it had just shown up on my like YouTube recommended, and I was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine something like that? I'm like just straight envy of Calvin. I, I remember two summers ago when Clarier was up in Saratoga and I was, I was watching Joel Breezer one morning. I was like, wow, to be able to ride a horse like that. Are you kidding? <laughs> Eric, how about you? I would definitely say Rachel because what she meant to uh, so many people to pretend to be a part of that would be the coolest thing ever because Rachel meant so much to so many people that it, you know, like you think, Oh, gun runner. Oh, he made 16 million, but it's not about that. That's not why we're like in the game. You know what I mean? Like that mayor meant so much to so many people and had such an influence on people to, to find an interest in the game where my answer a thousand percent would be Rachel. You guys have, have, have had a front row seat to some of the best riders in the world. Um, an intimate front row seat to seeing them, them ride, you know, winners, uh, for your father and, 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 um, uh, who are the riders that, that you guys, you know, really look up to and, and, and really, you know, you, you know, you, if they're riding in a race and you're not riding, you're watching them all the way around there. Um, Eric, I'll start with you. So obviously my biggest influences are my family, you know, like, like my grandpa is the, uh, like he's the craziest horseman ever. Like his hands are fantastic, but like day-to-day watching who rides nowadays. Stuart Elliott is a name I want to throw out there. Absolutely. I mean, he is, I ride down here with Sam Houston with him and he is the model of consistency. I mean, he is amazing with what he does. And I believe he can ride with anybody. I mean, he won the grade three Houston ladies classic for us last weekend, but the one I look up to the most a thousand percent is Joel Rosario. He, uh, the way he just clicks with some horses is so just, he's, he's in his own world where it's like when he's his best, nobody can touch him. And he takes care of horses the way I want to take care of horses. You know, like I, I truly believe he has a deep, deep love for the horse. And that's kind of like what I would love to model my riding after. Keith, how about you? Absolutely. I want to echo Eric's response. I, in addition to all his points on Rosario, uh, I, I don't, I, I feel like he's the most square on a horse. Like his balance is insane. Um, and I also would like to, say like Johnny V, like watching him at Royal Ascot riding like reverse ace deuce, just, it kind of blows my mind. Like to get me to do something like that, it'd be like 
trying to write with your left hand. <laughs> like, and it, I'm not even close to ambidextrous. It's just the level of talent that these guys have at the pinnacle of the sport is, is mind boggling when like from Eric and I's perspective who have not necessarily been in the game that long as riders, it's like to see their talent is just mind blowing. I, I, I talked with your dad for a second this morning and uh, he said that, that, uh, your mother and him are extremely grateful that although you guys are competitive on the racetrack, it's not nearly as competitive as that. If you guys are playing basketball, he said that on the racetrack, you need three stewards to, 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 to make sure everything stays safe. But uh, he said the basketball games can get pretty, pretty rough and that they're pretty grateful that you guys don't treat the, the racetrack like the basketball games. <laughs> That's very accurate. I think the uh, I think the backside's lucky that we don't treat it like the basketball games. <laughs> your, your dad also mentioned that one of the unique things about you guys is that is that even before you started riding, you always had such a unique connection to the horses because being around them in Laredo and having the chance to like even even the good ones that that people might you know that you haven't had an afternoon connection with in terms of riding but you did in terms of like breaking them when they were babies um tell us a little bit about laredo i mean you know when we talk about your father uh, in the media or wherever that that's always that that story of you know laredo and and growing up with with cash and your grandfather and being around horses basically their entire lives uh, what does laredo mean to you guys and, and to the operation as a whole it's it's the uh it's the foundation of the horses and of the horsemen of the Asbison family. That's why it always like comes up. We break a hundred, a hundred fifteen head of of our babies that we train down there. So and that's where not only the horses learned everything, but the people also did. Me, Keith, Cash, my dad. I mean, we all learned it in Laredo, Texas. And, you know, like being a part of like being like we're new to the riding, but being a part of like the game and everything, like it's really cool to say that I've I've rode like Disarm, Epicenter, Echo Zulu, Jackie's Warrior. Like just horses like that of of recent history that I've sat on when they were yearlings and stuff, breaking them. And then to see what they've gone on to do is, is so surreal. It's the coolest thing ever. Absolutely. And I'm just like to add that, you know, being able to get on, you know, young thoroughbreds as they're being broken is an excellent um, learning experience for riders as well. Cause I mean, pe people can only tell you so much, but more than, the majority of everything you learn is from horses and learning on young thoroughbreds, you know, teach you patience and soft hands and stuff. Cause I mean, you overdo anything, <laughs> find yourself landing on your head. So do you guys feel like your father is harder on you guys after a bad ride or a jockey who doesn't share his last name? I think, I think he's fair, very constructive. Um, so, he is kind of notorious for being uh, hard on riders, but I always notice when he doesn't say anything after a bad rider or whatever, it's because he doesn't plan on using them in the future. So 
<laughs> no, it's it's definitely uh he is hard on us. I mean, there's there's no question about it, but you wouldn't me and Keith wouldn't want it any other way. Cause if he wasn't hard on us, it'd mean he he didn't care. Like the reason he's so hard on us is because he wants us to get better and strive to get better and not make the same mistake again, which is the standard me and Keith want to be held to. And we, we don't want it any other way. Now for each of you guys individually is, and uh, is this a, is this a stopping point, a stage in your lives and your careers? Or do you, do you see yourself riding, um, you know, until your Johnny's age, uh, you know, obviously with your height, you're going to have to see how all that goes, but, do you, is this something that's a, uh, you know, is it, is it just something that you're doing for the moment or is it something you see yourself doing in 15, 20 years? I, I plan on riding until it doesn't make sense. I <laughs> am scared to think about the day where I, I can no longer do it. And so, you know, it's just best to take care of yourself and try to do it as healthily as possible because it is the most challenging, rewarding experience I've ever had. And it, it's simply amazing to me and to be able to do it as long as possible is definitely the goal. Eric, how about you? For for me, it's very day to day, like not saying I'm going to quit tomorrow or anything, but it's, you know, you got to like me thinking down the road, five years, you know, it's, I have no idea where I'm going to be, how I'm going to do or anything. Like I just need to take it so day-to-day mentally to strive to get better and better and better but i don't plan on quitting anytime soon that's for sure but time will tell well, on that look here when i was 21 i i, I giggle sometimes at some of the things i was doing or thinking i was going to do so take your time enjoy it um you know you guys grew up you know eric you, you mentioned that you didn't go to college keith we, we already talked about you went to the university of texas and 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 but I, I think that one thing is safe is that you guys definitely grew up in 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 a, a program that the you know the racetrack industry program in, in Arizona couldn't even warm up the experience and what you guys have learned uh, growing up with a one of the best businessmen to ever do it in your father the way that he's he organizes his stable and can and knows what every horse did at every place at every moment um, but also to have the wins the success the big races the big horses all of that stuff. You know, I, I'm curious how you guys feel about your knowledge uh, of of training in general, just being around it so much. Like Eric, he, uh, do you feel like if someone gave you, not that you're looking to do this, I'm just curious how comfortable you are in your knowledge. If someone gave you five horses and said, "Hey, can you train these for me?" Do, do you feel like you have uh, the knowledge to be able to do that? Um, I, I feel like I do it with a lot of conviction, but if somebody like helicoptered me, they'd be like, wow, this kid has no idea what he's doing, but you just see so much and kind of the repetition of how we train. And as far as, um, you know, the progression leading up and planning, I, I feel like I'd have a pretty good idea and I would do it with a ton of confidence, but as far as, you know, you know, being the one in the arena and responsible in a training aspect, it would definitely be a major challenge. But kind of like you talking about the Arizona <laughs> racetrack program, our experience on the backside is 
is very extensive. And I always laugh. I'm like, I, w- I wonder if they have a class on how to take an ash chewing at four in the morning at that <laughs> program. That's funny. Keith, Keith's a lot more humble than me, though. Like, you think, like, all the teachers we've learned from, the reason me and Keith decided to ride is because we thought we could do it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Keith's a lot more humble. Like he doesn't, (laughs) he's trying not to say it, but we, like I, we absolutely think we could. And that's why we're in the game. It's because we're trying to prove it. Not to anybody else, but we're trying to prove it to ourselves because we have an inner belief in ourselves that, that we are capable of it through all the blessings we've had of the fantastic teachers we've had put around us at such an early age. Yeah. I mean, I look, it, it makes sense. I, I, I was going to be shocked if you didn't think you could, like, it's just, you, you know, you grew up around it and it's like, and you guys were, you know, I remember seeing you guys at all points through, you know, not that I'm like that much older, but I, I remember seeing you guys at all points, like around the racetrack and, and, you know, and I'm sure you're in the office and, and decisions with this and decisions with that. And how many do we run gun runner back? Do we not? All I, you know, uh, an ankle here, an ankle there, uh, uh, you know, all of those things. And, and I think that like, that's the one thing that I, I believe about racing, riding, handicapping, betting. This game is so complex because there's so many different outcomes and so many different possibilities that like one of the things that I think your your father has and that you guys have is the experience that basically nothing happens that you haven't had to deal with prior you know it, it it's it, and so there's that experience that you can call back to 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 try to work it out so yeah no i i love that answer and and i i think you guys probably i mean I, you know not that i have five horses but you know i'd send them to you <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> uh eric but, you you oh go ahead go ahead no, it's, it's just exactly like he said, you know, like, but the one thing about that is in horse racing, the reason we love it so much is no matter how much experience and how much we have seen, how many situations we've been put in, you always, at the end of the day, you always end up surprised by something. And that's like my dad talking about. Like everybody talks about how hard my dad works and stuff like that. That's what motivates my dad more than anything is there is no, like you never know it all in horse racing. You never know it all. So it's like you're constantly chasing that perfection, which is what I know keeps my dad so motivated. And I see myself very similar. Eric, you've got seven wins this year. Um, Cleet was the first one. Tell me a little bit about Cleet. Cleet, such a cool horse. You know, like, I just pretend like you're riding him. You know, he did it all. He broke. I was on the lead. I just flopped around, and then they told me I won. You know, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was, it was a crazy feeling. Like, my, my first win, like, it was such a blur. And then like you're 
your next couple of wins, you kind of feel like you had something to do with it, knowing you had absolutely nothing to do with it. You're just maybe flopping a little more on their back. So, no, it's it's really fun how much I've learned in the last two weeks over two, three weeks of just riding more and more races. Well, I tell you, I, I was telling you before we got started uh, a couple Saturdays ago, we, uh, you know, I was rooting for you like crazy. We, we, your dad has Salivo now, which, 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 which makes us happy to, to know that, that, uh, he's in good hands. And, and so I was talking to my in-laws and, and my wife and we were watching the race and, and I, I said, look, I mean, I, I look, I, I think this horse can absolutely win. I think it's a, a sign of confidence that, that Steve is, is running unprotected again. And, you know, he just got a break and he'll out finish these horses. You know, that's a little bit sharp, blah, blah, blah. And then he just broke flat-footed and and i know you said you were a little disappointed oh it's it's really funny you bring up this horse because you know like you you're super excited you get on like seven in the morning and it's what you're thinking about like you're two to one in a main special weight you're like let's go like i get to ride salivo today you know the race is a touch short for him it's five eights on the grass you know you do all your homework me and keith we couldn't prep or put our, try and put ourselves in a better position to be successful. And then you five eights on the grass. He hops at the start horse on the inside comes over at you kind of takes your horse's feet away. Next thing you know, it's five eights on the grass and you've spotted the field five lengths. And then you're pissed. You know, you come, you run fourth. I think you run, come running late and you're just like, so frustrated you know you gallop back get off you're just so frustrated you know like your big chance on the day just didn't go as according to plan and you're walking through the grandstand and the jamaicans pissed at you that had two dollars <laughs> to show that you didn't get them on the gates get them out of the gates like like you're not trying like you haven't been dieting all night trying to for this Salivo horse and for something, some, something like that to happen, you know, it's, it's funny how everybody puts the blame on the jocks, you know, like even me before I started riding, you put such a big blame on a jock for something that's kind of out of their hands where it's, it's just, it was such a funny learning experience looking back on. And then like, the handicapper saying something to me like was like really made it click. Like it was just really, really funny because we are trying as hard as we possibly can. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Yeah, of course. Of, of course. Uh, well, look, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. If you, if you, if you, when you guys run back, if you get that win, I, I, I can, I think I can set you up with a free dinner this summer when at Saratoga. So let's just, go. I you like know what I'm saying? Yeah, get it going. Keith, you you uh I think you're what are you at 70 career wins, but more importantly, you passed your dad. But I'm sure your dad probably says he's got a bunch of wins that aren't registered at Echo Base, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he had to add something in there. <laughs> no, no, very very emotional milestone. He whole family's very proud for me, and obviously I'm proud for myself because it's something I do think that matters. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Keith, your your dad predicted that your favorite horses of his would have been. He gave me three, so you can take you can cover all three, or you can take them the way you want. He he said Rivet, Echo again, or Superstock. I don't know. I got I got to ride with my big man Rivet. What, what, is it, what is it about Rivet? I, I, just, I really think I get along with that horse. And I, I do have a bunch of pride in his performances because I do feel like we kind of got him going the right direction when we added the blinkers last year at Oaklawn. You know, he had come from the fairgrounds, had a disappointing maiden race. I think it was, a, it was probably like Southwest Day or something. It was, a, it was like early January. Uh, you know, disappointing maiden race. Popped him like three eights from the gate two weeks later with blinkers on and he, like a completely different horse. And then you know, just strung a couple really good races together and was going the right way. I devastatingly broke my finger two days before the chick laying. And then I, I got to reconnect with him for the Steel Valley Sprint at Mahoning. And so to be able to come kind of like full circle and get to ride that horse again and put it together is very sentimental. Um, what, what finger did you break? My left index. Left index. Oh, I, I would imagine that that's a tough one, right? For like grabbing the rain. Like, is there probably, is there yeah. another finger that's easier to break that you could ride more efficient? Like, is there a better one? I, I think that might be the worst. Thumbs would probably stink too, but I mean, your communicators, and it's not really an injury you can rush back because when it's <laughs> – it, it was broken pretty good, and it did take a little longer than expected. Eric, uh, Dad said Jalen Journey for you, and he, he also pointed out that, that you you picked the horse out to claim. Yeah, I, I do a lot of uh, cl- claims for my dad. My dad is so busy where I do – shortlist claims for him essentially and we had Jalen journey when he was a lot younger he's nine now and we loved the horse I mean he is the prettiest horse like we just loved him and he was in for 5,000 at Remington Park at about 10 p.m central time and we're in Saratoga when we claim him so that's about you know that's 11 at uh in saratoga where i was galloping at the time and we claimed it for five thousand, and ran huge we won a two-way shake on him we next time out he won and then he ran second and right after he ran second i called up my dad i was like uh, you know kind of put my foot in that door like that means i get to ride that horse right and he's actually been two of my winners down here in Sam Houston. He's won two starter races for me. And he is the, the best horse ever. And I, I spoil him as much as I can. Like, I love that horse. Oh, that's outstanding. That, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I'd imagine that you guys, both of you, um, you know, grew up looking at the past performances 
probably probably not too many tables away from me at, at Lone Star Park. My, I, that was my daddy's. We used to go every. I used to love Thursdays and Fridays at Lone Star Park with night racing. Ah, oh, I used to love going with my dad. That was the best. The best. The, I mean, the ten cent supers constructed on Thursday and Friday nights at Lone Star Park. Yeah. Were, was a lot of brainstorming. I mean, it was intense. <laughs> I do have to admit, though, I am, I'm straight envious of handicappers. It's something I always wanted to be really good at, and I, I just don't. I don't yeah. know if I get too emotional or I'm biased towards connections. I've, I've never really been as good of a handicapper as I thought I could be. Well, let's let's dive into that, because I think – I would think, tell me if I'm wrong, I would just predict, and I think that, I don't know how Eric feels, if he feels like he is a good or not, we'll get to him. But I think that there's a, what happens is, is if you know too much, it can sometimes be paralyzing because you can understand how bad connections can negatively affect a horse, but you can also, you also have the idea of how good connections could affect a horse. And so I think sometimes there might be one that on paper doesn't look fast enough, but is in the right hands. And I bet your brain tells you, Oh, they can improve this horse or vice versa. Where there's a horse that looks good, but you look at these junky connections and you're like, Oh, they'll definitely screw this up. That, that would be my guess. Um, I don't know. You tell me though. Yeah. Um, definitely. You know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good job identifying, you know, it's like, bad favorites and cheap races or you know, as, as far as like expected returns go on tickets, like my ticket structures feel like I'm not really guessing, but as far as like being an incredible handicapper, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> well, with your accounting background, you have to be an amazing ticket constructor. Like you have to understand value in like, yeah. Instead I mean? of uh, one losing pick five, I have three. <laughs> How about you, Eric? Are you? A, I've, uh, I've heard Ruben Munoz told me you're a good handicapper. I have had to hang it up a little bit since riding. I've had to quit, but you know, you you'd think you'd know more. You really would, and you'd think you'd have a better idea. But trust me, I, I'd be wearing a lot nicer clothes if I really knew what what I was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> you know. How how's your dad? Is he is he uh, is he pretty good at, at kind of designing he's too a emotional. race? He's way Does too he? emotional. Oh, uh, <laughs> he is the most biased handicapper on feel. <laughs> I mean, how was his lunch that day? He's way too biased. He's horrible. I hope he hears oh. this too. He's horrible. <laughs> what? Why do you think I started claiming for him? Because I felt so bad for him, man. No. Oh, that's funny. Uh, that, that's funny because you know I've always felt like there's two different there's two different ways to handicap, right? Like, you know, trying to like you know predict who's going to win and, and you know and, and understanding the form and figures and and improvements and all and distance and all that stuff. But the other thing that I've always found to be a very valuable tool that I think is hard that I would imagine that you guys and your father as well probably could excel at is kind of, we call it like this group that I kind of am around, we call it designing a race, right? Like what, like, like how is the, you know, how is the pace actually going to unfold? Like, I, I think it's lazy to look and say, Oh, there's three speed horses. that's going to fall apart. 
because that's not all it's, it's just not always the case it's it, what kind of speed are we talking about um you know is it is is one of these is going to take back is does one of them you know break a bit slow one on the rail one outside what does one have kendrick and does the other one have julian like it, there's 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 a lot of things i think that can kind of come into play when it comes to design designing races but as you guys have started riding do you feel like you can can kind of predict how the race is going to unfold a little bit better a little bit, but I think that comes with just being informed. I think something that's helped me immensely is, you know, really watching replays and, you know, can't get enough. Of, I mean, if you look at the race, you I could watch every runner's replays for the past five races or whatever. It just uh, more information is good. I, that's just personally, some people get maybe too bogged down with that and overthink but I, I think it helps. It, it just gives you a better idea where you're at and, you know, maybe project the race a little better before. So you get a better idea. For me, it's more so uh, like what I've, I mean, I've only rode 45 races, but you know, when you look at a race before you ride it, if you think like, if you try and ride a race according to, if you're going to judge if there's going to be pace or not, you almost always get screwed. Like you need to think what is best for my horse for him to run the best race possible. And you watch replays, you do all your homework to what does my horse like? What, how can I get him the most comfortable to put him in a position to be the most successful? And when you see like, like three pace horses in, in a race. You got to think everybody sees the exact same thing. So if there's a crazy amount of speed in the race, every single jockey's thinking there's a crazy amount of speed in the race. Maybe I want to take back. So it's weird how that kind of coincides with each other, but trying to handicap a race from a jockey perspective has only ever gotten me in trouble. Yeah, I, I, I the the only time that like I'll do it is when it's like a really big race, and we we one hundred percent know who these horses are, right? We like know who they are. Um, Clarier, right? Like like you know, just a great example. I, I've always felt that if there's pace in the race, she's gonna always be within a length of winning. And it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of pace. It just has to be honest. She'll always be within a length of winning. Um, and and when you know when you have Joel, you, you you feel like you have some 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 comfort in that situation. But I'm also a person that will. I don't care if there's four speeds. I will take the speed of the speed, especially in dirt racing, because we all know that you know forwardly placed dirt horses have better chances, and horses that come from out of it have more obstacles. Um, and then the only other thing that I'll do when it comes to like riders is. Is, is, is I will look where someone's drawn, right? Like someone like, you know, Johnny or Mike Smith or, or, you know, Kendrick or Ricardo or Louis Saez or Florent. If they draw the rail with a horse that's tactical, they're not taking that horse back. Like that, that's just not who they are. And the horses that they ride, they ride good horses. So they're going to ride, they ride a lot of horses like they're good horses. And that's the only time I really do that is, is when it's like a positional situation. But 
yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's a dangerous game to try to to guess what a rider's going to do when the gates open and there's 48,000 variables that I could not have predicted. No, that's so, what do you think is the most important variable from a handicapment perspective? Um, and I mean, I think that I, I think that the, the ability to get from point A to point B is the most important thing. So I, I think that when you look at a a to me a final speed figure like a buyer speed figure or a time form US figure, I like to look at more than one figure though because there it is subjective. So I I, I want to see that time form US and buyer say the race is fast, you know, I, or or if one says it's fast and one says it's slow, then I'll dive in a little bit more. But I think that ultimately the most reliable thing, the most reliable factor is the ability to get from point A to point B. And that's the, the final speed figure. However, the second most important part to me is how that figure was earned by the internal fractions of the race. Did you run a fast speed figure by, um, you know, attending a fast pace and going very fast and using a lot of energy or did you, you know, was it a slow, was it a slow pace race and you, you know, you just kind of clunked up. So to me, it's always the figures is where I start. And then, you know, I'm, look, I'm a believer in pace makes the race, but as someone who loves dirt racing and, and focuses as much as possible on dirt racing, pace makes the race is, race is a difficult thing to do. And I think you guys will relate to this, but like the speed of the speed wins more often to me than a race that appears to have speed in it and the closer, right? Like, I, I think that this, like trying to find closers and, and, and con and contested paces, it just never seems to work for me. Very cool. No. Yeah. Um, it's a great point. It, it really is. But like from a jockey's perspective, like that's not like handicapping for me, for claiming horses is completely different than handicapping to ride a race and is completely different for handicapping to like, if you're at the breeder's cup trying to cash tickets, you, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. No. And I, I think that's a it's great, point. all different. It's completely different handicapping. Cause I, I love what you said, Eric. And I think that it ties to this is it's like, um, you, I, I love that idea, and I think that's going to help me in my brains. I think I don't think you're the only one that thinks that way. But looking at what my horse needs to do to be successful, because per, like, but like taking your horse out of their comfort zone because of what you think might happen seems like a losing recipe. Absolutely. But, you know, if if you don't, if you if you feel like your horse um, is just best in the clear, no dirt in their face and you're not in their mouth too much. And then you are in a race where there's seven speed horses and you take back, you, you yank on his mouth and eat dirt for half a mile like that. That's not going to work either. So why? I, I think that sometimes people predict that like riders are going to make that decision. And I think that that, I don't think that that's smart I, or, I, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think what, like what works, like what jocks are thinking what's worked better for me is you plan like a horse that clear doesn't want any dirt in the face loose rain you you absolutely plan on it and then you adjust it afterwards 
it, no matter what yeah. it says on paper, you know, how difficult that position might be to achieve on paper, you're still trying to achieve that. And then you adjust afterwards if it is, if you don't break good or if it's a mad dash or stuff like that. I agree. Uh, Keith, if, if, and, and Eric, I'll, I'll follow up with you as well. Um, you know, when you, when you close your eyes at night and you dream about winning a big race, do you, do you know, or, or, or winning, let's call it the Derby, right? Would you like, when you do that, you close your eyes and you envision it, did you do it wire to wire or did you come from last? Oh, straight mind that bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like three path right off the pace barreling. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Kind of right off of it. How about you, Eric? Same thing up close. Yeah. Just- yeah. That's funny. I was thinking about it. Like kind of right off of it. Like, like maybe like the authentic derby, you know, like you're kind of like sitting right off of it. And then, you know, stuff do, like that. Do, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, look, I, I, uh, that's that's the one, right? You, you know, you still have to, you, you you know, I think in a wire to wire situation, right? And the best the best uh, <laughs> the best way I can relate to it is like, you know, the couple of times I played Gallup Racer, it's like when you wire to wire, when you wire to wire, it's like it's almost like it's it it's not as satisfying than if you like timed it right and and sat off of something, and you know, I, I so I I can see how that can make sense. That one picture looks just as good. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) I I nailed my first like I I won my first win photo, and it was a it was a five thousand dollar open claimer, (laughs) and I was so geeked galloping out because I knew I drilled them, and it was it was funny because like you know it wasn't wasn't a big race wasn't the biggest race I've won or anything like that it was like my fourth win. But that win, like, like, like when I drilled them at the wire, the feeling I felt was so insane. So it is like to pass horses is the coolest feeling ever. But winning a race is, is fantastic any way possible. As we wrap here, guys. Uh, you, you've been around some big horses, some big days. We, we've talked about the horses that have meant the most to you. We've talked about the horses that, that, that your, your dad trained that meant the most, but also the ones that you've, you've ridden that meant the most. I, I would imagine um, that there are some big days that just when you, when you think back or if you're having a bad day, you pull up a race on YouTube or just days that are burned in your brain that you can remember every detail of the day, um, whether you were 5, 6, 12, 21, or whatever um i'll go with you first eric what 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 day just stands out to you in racing that you'll just never forget uh gunrunner breeders cup classic it was uh those races you know you you wait around all day for so like the level of suspense that builds up especially when you're even money and Bob Baffert has three horses and you're just like, you just know you're the target so much and you know how much the horse means to us and everything. And it's just the suspense. And I, I, 
I do not believe we had enough. Like we had maybe one other horse in that day or two. So you know, you're like this. The nerves just built up so much when when he did do it and he he proved who he was. Like the celebration afterwards was something I'll never forget. Keith, how about you? Yeah, uh, personally, I I think I think of Papa Rocket. It was the first horse I ever rode for Lucas. It was my first winner at Oaklawn. I thought I rode him like just a really smart and beautiful race, and it's something I always pull up. <laughs> it just makes me feel good. And I only re- ever rode the horse twice, and he won both times. And you had to do it for the coach. It, it meant a lot to me. As far as watching, probably a pretty recent one was Epicenter's Travers. I, you know, speaking of the nerves and anxiety of the barn, obviously wanted it very badly for him to get his grade one when he ran like he did. It was, it was, it was something to be very excited about. Yeah, that's a cool answer, especially everything like with the Derby, you know, how heartbreaking it was for him to win the Travers. That was really cool. Oh, the, the Derby, that was devastating. I, 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 I was, uh, I was in Lexington the the day before like the day be- I was in I was in Kentucky the day before so I went to the Oaks but then we had to get back to, to New York and then our flight was delayed so I had planned it where I would be home to watch the Derby but I ended up getting stuck having to watch the Derby in an Uber on the way from Albany Airport to the house in Saratoga and I had a future wager on Zandon to win to win and then I had a future exacto with Epicenter and Zandon. And so the whole stretch, I'm like, oh, I'm locked in. I'm about to, and I'm talking about like, I'm cashing for like $65,000. I'm like, I'm, I'm locked in when they turn for home. Like whether Epicenter beats them or Zandon, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm going to run one, two here and I'm going to cash. And then Rich Strike comes up the rail and snaps one off. Oh, it was, tough, that was a tough day. Zandon made it worse because it was like, he like, Zandon looks like he's going to win the race if you watch the replay. He puts away Zandon. I mean, he put him away for the other horse to come up the inside was like the most heartbreaking thing ever for the horse. Before I let you go, the last one. And like I said at the top, I'm not concerned. There's definitely a, a Kentucky Derby with your dad's name on it. But as jockeys and uh, guys that have grown up uh, around your whole life uh, you know I, I i'm you know you're on airplanes and people say what do you do and even when you were younger when people would would ask your dad uh what do you do and he'd say he's a trainer then their next question always is have you ever won the kentucky derby <laughs> where are you guys at how do you feel uh about that one little kind of thing just missing from uh a, an otherwise perfect resume obviously want it very badly for him and it's it's something that they don't give away and that's why it means so much it's so incredibly incredibly hard to do and that's i mean that's why it's so coveted yeah more more so than anything you want it for my dad my dad deserves it you know but i think he was just waiting for me to start riding for me to ride it is all it was <laughs> <laughs> oh damn keith would you would you would you be devastated if eric got, got the, the leg up or would you be happy for him hell no i'd be ecstatic for him <laughs> yeah me and keith are competitive but we are 
we sure we're, we're constructive. Yeah, yeah, we are. We root. We want success for each other. Nothing but. Guys, this was uh, this was a ton of fun. And, uh, I, you know, look, there's a, there's a couple of times I have these episodes where you could feel like, oh, that was a one and done. And I'm glad we got to talk for an hour. And I, I, you know, I'd love to have you guys back on soon to check in maybe after you guys, you know, snag a couple of big wins, some graded stakes, something like that. We're rooting for you. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Asmussen family fan growing up at Lone Star Park. You know, that's how I learned what a good trainer looked like and, 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 uh, seeing, seeing him. And I remember Eddie Martin Jr. He used to ride all the time back in the day when I used to go. And, and, uh, and yeah. so it's, 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 it's fun to watch your guys' success. It's, it's, it's fun to watch young guys kind of chase their dreams. So, um, uh, we wish you the best of luck, safe trips around there. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you much. So Had a blast. Much. Had a blast. Thank you. Can't wait to do it again. Thank you, JK. All right. Fellas, you know, I, geez, I, Greg Wolf's like the first one who kind of convinced me or taught me that it's Asmussen. I think As, Asmussen, Asmussen. I don't know. As, cause I, I think I learned Asmussen, but I think it's Asmussen. Oh boy. I probably should have asked the boys, uh, which one it was. Um, who knows? I, let's just, just say it fast enough and it doesn't really matter. Want to thank our friends at Qatar Racing. Congratulations to Sheikh Fahd and the team at Qatar Racing. Just a touch. Broke the maiden at fairgrounds. Uh, an exciting one moving forward. And on the Nile uh, with, uh, with, with that, at Gulfstream. Um, broke the maiden as well. Nothing like some maiden winners uh, to get excited about uh, moving forward. I uh, want to thank all of you for tuning in. We talk about it all the time. I'll say it again. If you could follow this on the little purple podcast app, I'd appreciate it. Uh, if you hear an episode you like, please retweet it. Um, share it, comment, tweet at me. Let me know if there's some other people that uh, you want to hear this year on JK plus one that you think would be fun to have. Um, I also want to thank everyone who listened to JK plus zero zero uh, last week. If you hadn't listened to that, it's not in this feed. It, it lived in the, uh, in the uh, kind of the, the, the black, uh, we call it the black feed, like the, 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 the kind of the, the, the mothership feed of, of in the money media. And, uh, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, please do. So you can also catch it on in the money where I just kind of address my feelings about the NHC and all that stuff that went down with that. And where we're going moving forward, there's a message in there that, uh, that I would like some people to be able to hear. And if you don't care, then I don't care either. And let's, let's, let's move on. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to the brothers. Asmussen for uh, for for uh, for taking the time. Thanks to Steve Asmussen who who shared a couple of stories with me. Uh, also, my friend Ruben Munoz, uh, Ricardo Santana's agent, who obviously has spent a lot of time around around the boys and around the uh, the Asmussen clan. So, until next week, uh, what does Pete always say? May you want all your photos? Why am I starting to say that all of a sudden? That was weird. <laughs> I'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where? I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver, and signs to let them in.